Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And before we get into tonight's introductions, I want to deliver a message from one of our two sponsors tonight. Today's episode is brought to you by Kangaroo. Kangaroo was created to ensure that everyone has access to home security. Every product Kangaroo makes starts with three questions. Is it simple? Can it be produced at a price that everybody can afford? And is it secure? With Kangaroo, you never pay for unnecessary bells and whistles, and you know your data is going to be secure. The front door security kit is a simple setup with no tools or tech geeks required. If you have Wi-Fi and a smartphone, you can use Kangaroo. Go to heykangaroo.com to learn more and start keeping your home safe today. And be sure to use code RINGDONG, yes, that is RINGDONG, for 20% off any Kangaroo complete subscription order. And if you're watching live on YouTube, you can already see the bright, smiling faces. Of course, I'm joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? They just had me thinking about the kangaroo I saw at the petting zoo this weekend there. So just a little plug in with our sponsor. And uh, what is it? One month today to the NFL season as we always sit here and cross our fingers, hold our breath that everything just keeps on track. And uh, I'm getting stoked, man. One month, I believe it's going to happen and uh, ready to see our rosters competing. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but you were getting really close to that camel. We saw the video. I don't know. It looked like it, it was like licking your head. It was giving me kisses, man. It was a very friendly. Cam- when in your life could you get that close to a camel? You know, and then to throw a dynasty theory, you know, a little uh, promotion into that. It was a two for one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get that close to a camel. But anyway, we are also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That is at Dino MC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? Yeah, I'm not like I like this podcast. I'm not willing to get that close to a camel to do a promo show for it. So thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. But yeah, I'll let you take care of all those. Well, I like the way he put it too. He's like talking about dynasty theory and the season approaching, and we have to get over the hump. That was a mm-hmm. corny joke that I would make, but I did appreciate it. I did appreciate it. Um, you know, let's get right into it, guys. There's a lot of college football news going on right now. And it seems like there's a lot of question marks, which we were expecting, but a lot of this information has been coming out over the last 24 hours. And Dan, I I, I don't want to spend too much time on this just because we've talked about this quite a bit, but what are your thoughts with where they are now? Again, with you being um, employed by Lackawanna College, you're close to the scene, maybe not from an NCAA perspective, but still at the collegiate level. So what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I think we've been kind of watching it unravel on Twitter today as the latest announcements of schools and the conferences considering not playing. And my big take for listeners at this time is college football is not the NFL and just having an understanding of that. I know we think, you know, NCAA is this big juggernaut and players should be getting paid. And why aren't they, you know, performing now during this pandemic? But it's not a level playing field. Universities are not only responsible for football programs, but other sports and non-athletes. And, hey, we're all diehard fans here. I know it's it's painful to, to hear. We, we want college football to be there. Believe me, those university presidents want college football to be here too. But, you know, finances and facilities vary. There's increased liability at the college level and just increased risk levels. So the liability is huge. So it's unfortunate, but I, I think – as fans, we have to separate the two and, and be open-minded here. There's a lot more that goes into it. 
Mitch, you were getting fired up on Twitter today. You had an issue with what Mr. Rappaport said. That was one of the dumbest <laughs> tweets like I've ever read. Comparing how, hey, the NFL got this done. Why can't the NCAA do it? It's not remotely the same thing. Like, I, I can't explain how stupid that tweet was because it just, it's like, uh, what, who, who said it? Was it Nick in our group chat said it's like comparing apples to something that's not fruit. <laughs> Mitch had me fired up today, JB. He, he posted in our twat in our uh, chat there. I can't even speak now. I'm so fired up uh, about the, the report and very short-sighted by uh, the rap sheet there. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that someone in such a high-level position would, would put that as there's so much more that goes into it. You guys know how pessimistic I was. What was it in last week's show? Man, I feel like that was a month ago. We had we had so many weeks where we had two or three shows, and now we're back to one episode a week, and it feels like so much time passes. But on last week's show, I was really pessimistic. And even I, you know, like you said, Dan, the NFL is a business. While the NCAA has business aspects associated with it, there's still a lot of liability there, and it is completely different. Um but one thing that I really like, and this kind of has me whistling a different tune from what we talked about last week. And Mitch, I see Bill is in the chat and you talked about this on Fantasy Timeline, which was a fantastic episode. If you have not listened to it, go check it out. But, you know, you guys talked about what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the voluntary bubble. And that kind of gives me a little bit of hope. Is every gonna pl- <laughs> Is every player going to participate? No. But at least it's a step in the right direction and something that, like I said, it gives us a glimmer of hope that if these guys really buy into it, I think things are a little bit more feasible than maybe I was saying less than seven days ago. Isn't it neat how rapidly it changes? You know, you talk about your your pessimism and optimism, you yep. know, falling and rising, John. I mean, that's really the nature of it. And like at Lackawanna College, we have pushed as far as we can to do right by the students in the institution watching this change and it has been an emotional roller coaster weekly and it's the same thing for these big institutions they didn't want to nobody wants to come out now and say hey we can't play this season they're pushing off as far as they can to try to make it work and when they go and make those major announcements you know it's just bigger than them at this point i saw a really good comment and i, I can't remember who tweeted it i wish i could remember I, this happens all the time i see a tweet i want to give the credit but they said that with players opting out there are going to be players that might have the opportunity to really show out. You know, you see what's name uh, Bateman in Minnesota and he opts out and there's other receivers and players that might be able to step up. But now if there's no season, those guys are the ones that are hurting because they had an opportunity for their stock to rise. And now they're not going to be able to see that play out. So it's going to be interesting. And I'm sure within the next month, we're going to see things flip back and forth constantly. And it sounds like now the Big Ten, it went from possibly canceling the season to now postponing it. I'm sure it's going to be completely different next week. Do you guys have anything else on the college aspect? Any of the, the news that's been coming out? I mean, we could hit it, but honestly, it could change by the time this is released tomorrow. And it's just moving. Like I'm convinced the Pac-12 isn't going to play their college season. Just how the demographics are in this area of the country. I just don't see it happening, but I think they're waiting for someone else to be like, no, we're not going to do it. And then they'll, you know, drop out too. So I really don't think the PAC 12 is even going to play at all this year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But like I said, it could change any second. It it could change by the time we're done recording the show, let alone releasing it. So let's get to some of the news here. And this happened just today. 
And Dan, I want to start with you. Lamar Miller signing a one-year deal in New England. What are your thoughts there? It's an interesting one. It's similar like to the pandemic here. It's a little roller coaster in New England trying to figure out this organization. Classic Belichick, keeping us on our toes, especially in fantasy football. Um, my approach isn't changing too much to the New England situation. I went into this season. I do have a few dynasty rosters that have some shares of Sony Michelle and Damian Harris. And I remain high on Damian Harris, but cautiously optimistic at the same time for this year. I think Lamar Miller puts a damper in Sony. I think a lot of the speculation today is that, you know, he's going to go to the pup, you know, that injury is lingering. And I think we're still here guessing. I mean, Lamar Miller, from what little clips I've seen on, you know, Instagram, he, he looks healthy. He looks in good shape. He's had enough time to recover from that ACL. He is a legit back. We've seen backs that can recover from the ACL and he's going into a team that needs a veteran presence. If Sony Michelle is out, I mean, I, I mean, there is Rex Burkhead, but I, I'm really don't see Rex other than his occasional one or two good games a year stepping up. So dynasty, I remain high on Harris. I now have some mild interest in Lamar Miller on those rosters where I have Sony Michelle. I don't think we can see any dynasty impact. The only dynasty impact I can see is that this gives you some semblance of a selling window for Mr. Miller. Yeah. If that's... you if you have him at the bottom of your roster, ship him off. A third, I think that would get it done. Anything. Literally he, anything. It's not guaranteed he's gonna make the team. Just yeah, like we talked about with LaShawn McCoy. It's a one year contract for someone who's twenty nine years old coming off an ACL tear. And now we're saying he's going to come in and play over Damian Harris. I still don't think that's the case. He's not going to come in and play thirds down over James White. So I consider this the same thing about, you know, LaShawn McCoy and Jeremy Hill. I'm not changing the back center there because I don't even know if these guys are going to be active come game day. And we know Jeremy Hill's not. He was yeah. covered in three days. And the only thing that I think this really tells us, and I see it in the chat and you see it on Twitter, and I already talked about it last week, two weeks ago, the possibility of Sony Michelle starting the season on the pup. We see some of these players returning Jarvis Landry. We spent some time talking about him being on the pup last week. He's back already, but this signing tells me more about Sony Michelle than anything else. Mm -hmm. And then we have a question from Mike is Damien Harris an easy sell high. If Sony goes on pup, not anymore. Not since they signed Lamar because we've already seen on Twitter. There's enough people saying, Hey, this is going to drop Harris's value instead of elevating him. And so if that's what public sentiment is at this point, then I don't think Harris is going to be a sell high at all. I think public so sentiments just, all over the place here today, guys, if, if you know, I've, I've read every take under the sun and there's been all different variations of that new England situation. And I agree with both of you guys, as far as, you know, dynasty implications, all right, you know, I don't, I want to give anything more than a bottom of the roster guy, maybe a fourth. And it's only if my team, again, is invested in the New England running back situation. And it's more from a competitive, I want to win this year, and I want to make sure I have that New England situation addressed. Other than that, I have no interest in Lamar Miller. All right, so let's look at it on the flip side. You would have to think then that Damien Harris, in most situations, this would then make him a buy. Or do you think if you have Damien Harris, you're still believing in him and you're not moving him at a discount? I'm believing in him and I don't want to move him at a discount. My concern, JB, is like when we had Ross Tucker on and we we were talking about who's impacted this year. He still had some concern of those second year guys that haven't had a camp. And that is Damian Harris. Like we by now would have loved to have seen more here uh, before the season started to know where he is. We've seen nothing of Damian Harris. We're just guessing based on potential from uh, his college days and opportunity 
but maybe there is a little more time needed to develop. Last year, he couldn't get on the field primarily because he didn't play special teams. How are New England using these guys this year? Are they taking them off special teams, or is he still on them? We don't know. Mitch, before I bounce it over to you from, mm-hmm. for some secondary thoughts, and Dan, you're not going to be able to tell. Well, you can see in your screen. Did, why does Dak look like he's Iron Man? Like It looks like he's getting ready to release some laser beam or something. He's firing to that new Cooper jersey up there, man. It's all one month away. Right, right. Uh, Mitch, and any secondary thoughts, Damien Harris, if he's not being seen as a sell, would we be looking to buy potentially? It doesn't change his value at all for me. I consider him the same now as I saw him this morning. So if I was willing to buy him this morning, I'd be willing to do it. If I wasn't, then I wouldn't be doing it. And that's fair. And it, but again, especially this off season, because everybody is cooped up and nowhere to go. We're, we're buying into, and we're just, we're, it's like sucking at the, the teat of news right there. Anything that we can grasp, it's like grasping straws. We're going to, and any piece of news that comes out, Oh my God, well, this has to have some type of effect. Just like you said, Mitch, maybe it doesn't. So enough about Lamar Miller. But I will say, if you have Lamar Miller creeping on your bench, and I actually can say that I have him in several 14, 16 team leagues, I'm going to be looking to move him for anything, especially the fact that he might not be on that final roster going into the season. John, one more point too, and I know later in the show we're going to talk about free agents to keep an eye on, I believe is one of the questions. Here is a good example, though, of a guy that you want to be patient with you know there's always those handful of free agents on the market and no one ever wants to touch them until they sign somewhere and then everyone's like oh man i should have took yep. them i want to have them so you have to look ahead and see those guys that are free agents and again we'll get to that later but take a chance on them if you think they're, they may sign somewhere because what do you have to lose yep, completely agree um okay this next piece um you know obviously it was the big piece over the weekend that we want to touch on but darius geis and i on this show, on guest spots throughout the offseason, I talked him up and I even talked about his character. And I said there were reports and that's why he slipped in the NFL draft. Maybe he was immature, but I didn't think there were going to be any character concerns. And then he does what he did. Mitch, besides the off the field issue and, and what actually took place, looking at it from a fantasy perspective, one is there any hope for him? And this is actually one of the questions here from at NYS sports fan is Geis worth stashing. No, not at all. I actually was a little bit hesitant on it earlier this morning. I put a maybe on there, but with the allegations that came out today and there was an excellent Twitter thread, I can't remember who did it, you know, so it always works, but it was a lawyer, a defense lawyer who's just kind of saying how this is how the cases go. And, he was saying how Geis wasn't even talked to by investigators. And he was saying when that happens, that means the investigators mean that he has, they have already a really strong case against him. So he says, like, that's a really big hit against me this time. And we've already seen he's passed through waivers on the rookie contract and nobody picked him up. I just don't see him playing for anybody this year at this point. Because Now, now to, to play devil's advocate and just to ask the questions, but do you think that's just because they're still investigating it? Yeah, when, but I was just going to say, when is this case going to be closed? How long is it going to take for him to be charged? The charge is dropped if there's a civil suit taking place after it. And there's just so many unknowns. And with everybody just dropping him, not willing to pick him up, he's just someone I would just rather not stash on my teams. I'm definitely never going to trade for him. 
I have him in two leagues right now, and I can't get anything for him right now. I can't even get a fourth round pick. I saw him go for a third in one league, and I, I wish I could remember the league. But it seems like there are people one way or another, they're looking to do something with him, or he's being moved for an end of the bench player that might be able to have an impact at some point in the season. Dan, the rest of this backfield, it is a mess. There are so many things going on. What are your thoughts there from a short and long-term perspective? Who do you think comes out ahead here in 2020? You know, there's kind of some similarities as far as short-term and long-term to the New England situation we were just talking about. You know, Adrian Peterson rises a bit for the short-term for me. You know, again, if I'm trying to compete this year, not so much from a dynasty perspective, but I'll I'll take him as a roster spot on dynasty because he could have some good volume there in that Redskins. He's like Frank Gore. He just never, he's not going away anytime soon. Peyton Barber now has a pulse in fantasy football. You know, they say, oh, he could be a three down back. We'll see. And I'm not highly interested in him from what I saw in Tampa Bay watching him run. But in the short term, I'm at least looking at Peterson and Barber. Long term, Antonio Gibson. Maybe short term Antonio Gibson, depending on how his development goes, how he comes throughout the season. It's not really a super competitive backfield that he has to beat out there. You guys know I've been high on Gibson since the since the round of the draft. I love the guy's film and his talent, but there's still a lot of questions he's still learning. So long-term Gibson, and we'll see how this year plays out. Did you mention Bryce Love? And if you did, I apologize. He's not on my radar. And you you were high on Antonio Gibson early in the offseason, right after the draft. We did a theory throwdown exclusive to the Dynasty Theory YouTube channel. Subscribe, go back and check it out. But it was Van Jefferson versus Antonio Gibson. And Dan, I'm surprised you didn't jump on board with all of the victory laps that were taking place because we all knew that Darius Geis was going to do this. And I'm going to stand on my soapbox here real quick, Mitch. And and you're getting the big eyes. But there, it seems like there's four different groups of people taking victory laps. Oh, yeah. One, people that mentioned Bryce Love at any point. They're now saying, see, here's his chance. Two, people that liked Antonio Gibson, here's his chance. Three, people that did not roster Darius Geis, and now they're just saying, oh, thank goodness I have no shares of him. And then four, the people that are jumping on board and saying, this is what those character concerns that we talked about. And it just seems like, like first of all, with everything that he did, and if he did do it, he's a piece of shit. Let's just get that out there. Yep. You know, and Dan, for the... The ride with the kids, I can edit that part out on the podcast feed. But <laughs> I just enough. want to make that very clear. He's a piece of garbage if all of this is true. But the victory laps, man, I just think I, I think it's trash. And Mitch, you talked about it with the COVID opt-outs. But the problem with the victory laps is you can watch people's Twitter. They'll have a victory lap about one thing. And then later in the day, they will victory lap against that same thing. Like coach speak, they'll be like, ha ha, look this player because there'll be a Roto World blurb about what a coach says. Then later in the day, they'll be like, oh, we never listen to what coaches say. Who believes any of that? It's just happens constantly. You know, it sucks to have to do victory laps on Twitter nonstop. If that's your only point of view at this point. Very reluctant to take any victory laps before anything has actually happened. Right. No one stepped foot on the field. If I win a lot of money in my pocket, then I might take a victory lap because I got something to back it up with. But again, Gibson hasn't played a snap. He's got a small, small body of work at college. You know, he's got talent. We know that. Yes, it's, is it a boost? Sure. Guess what? Geis is out of the picture, but nothing to celebrate yet. There's a lot of work to be done. And, and I'm we, not, and real quick, Mitch, I'm not saying I'm above victory laps. God knows if I'm right about everything, <laughs> any, anything, you are going to hear about it 24 7. And the example that I have, because I thought about this, 
last offseason, I, I talked about Mark Ingram a lot. I had him on a lot of my dynasty rosters, redraft rosters, and obviously he had a pretty good season. So anytime he had a big week, I would go back like the ass that I am, and I would retweet any good comment I had about him. But people, they would retweet stuff about Darius Geis or Antonio Gibson or Bryce Love, and then they go on to say in the thread, oh, I'm not taking a victory lap. That's yeah. the only reason you would retweet what you said two months ago. Come yeah. on. But I mean, if we take a step back and actually look at Washington as a whole and see how this is going to play out, they have a pretty good defense. Their offensive line is average to above average. No, nothing elite about it. But then the wide receivers, they have Terry McLaurin and Sims. They don't have a tight end. They, I mean, the quarterback where everyone probably has projected whoever is starting for them this year, whoever ends up being bottom five in the league this year. So why are we really caring about the running back in this offense? The only reason why I care about guys to begin with is because he was super talented and he had all of the talent in the world to make it work. There's no one in that backfield now that fits that role anymore. And one last now, thought. Oh, go ahead, Dan. One, one last thought, if you know, to the listener question of, you know, do you stash guys? And, you know, to Mitch's point, short term, again, it's, it's a bottom feeder offensive line now that needs a lot to go right for it. They've got a bad defense. They're probably going to be passing a lot. There's a lot of questions in that rebuilding Washington team. But do you keep guys? I mean, if, as I think back, I, I think it's personal preference. You know, we've seen them probably already traded a few times in this last uh, week here in our dynasty leagues with the different values. But, you know, at one point, Tyreek Hill was never going to play again. At one point, Kareem Hunt was never going to play again. Um, you know, for me, he goes in that Kareem Hunt class. I have no interest in Geis ever again, but that's just me and my personal preference. Who knows? If you're a true Geis believer and you think the talent's there and a year from now he might get a second chance, teach their own. Nick, Nick is in the chat right now, and he posed in our Dynasty Theory Listener League basically just what you said, Dan. And if there's any players that you wouldn't roster because of off the field issues. And my response was exactly this short answer for me. The answer is no. You know, I, I do keep fantasy football separate despite how big of you know pieces of garbage these guys are, but I would never criticize or get on somebody that wanted to avoid those players for off the field reasons. You know, I, I think it is preference and however you handle your fantasy teams, that's up to you. So I, I, I like that you brought that up, Dan. And then Mitch, uh, Bryce Love, Dynasty value, Antonio Gibson. What would you pay for either of those two players right now? With Bryce Love, it's he would have to be an addition on a different trade. It would be the only way I'd acquire him. It would have to be, you know, I'm trading a wide receiver for a different wide receiver and to make the values match, they added Bryce Love. That's about the only way I say it happened. But Gibson's price is going to be so high now. Uh, he's just not going to be attainable because I guarantee you whoever has them isn't going to trade him for a 2021 second. And they're going to want a first and I'm never going to give up a first for him. So, so your tipping point, obviously your boiling point somewhere in between there, would you give two 2020 seconds or sorry, two 2021 seconds? I uh, know. I'd just rather stay away. For who? I offered that. And that was actually, for Bryce no, for Antonio Gibson. For Gibson. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, for love. Yeah. I would I'd give two seconds for, uh, Gibson, you can take my seconds. Yeah, I like the long-term potential. I just think there is the opportunity for his value to spike, and if if it if it's a wasted gamble, sure. But I think let's say that he does splash here early in the the season, and he gets an opportunity. Then you know, in that team, they're not going to be winning anytime soon. And Coach Rivera already came out because I know there's a lot of speculation. Oh, they're going to bring a veteran in. They're going to bring Devonte Freeman in. 
Uh, Rivera's already come out and said, I don't want to get any cheap wins. I'm not looking to just bring these veterans in. He, he's a smart coach. He wants those early picks. He's not looking to to win a few games in Washington to screw that up. So I, I think that Gibson, Love, Peterson, Barber, there's just so much going on there. John, as you break down those guys too, remember, they are all Riverboat Ron guys. He, Other than AP, he drafted Gibson. He brought in McKissick. He brought in Barber. McKissick see, too. Yep, McKissick. Yeah. I see, I see two drinks common over there. He's going to get more carries than, than – uh, or more targets than carries this year. You know, they need to f- produce – offense somehow where where is washington going to produce offense you know unless gandy golden kind of surprises a little bit uh we talked about sims and mclaren but they've got to distribute manufacturer touches any way they can gibson would be the guy to do that if he could pick up the playbook but you also got mckissick there who could steal some catches mitch we kind of tailed off at the end of our three plus hour projection episode and when we got to washington at this time geis was still none of this came out so when you're looking at your pro- the updated projections here, I, I don't know if you've gotten to Washington, but if you made any adjustments to that running back group, and if you have, what are we looking at for what are we looking at for that running back group? And then if you haven't, what would you expect Gibson to be at? Give a ballpark if you can. Right. So to begin with, right now we only have him at a ten percent market share. We gave him about forty carries with forty-one targets. And that what? was with Darius Geis. That was assuming with Geis. He played. Yeah. So what I think the easiest thing to do would be to give Adrian Peterson 40% market share that we had with Geis. And that would be bump up Gibson, probably double that. So I would say 80 carries and probably 60 targets. I mean, I hate just guessing like that without going through all the work for it. But I bet it's really close to 140, not touches because I'm counting targets in there. So maybe 110 total touches. that might be enough in a deep league. If we're mm-hmm. talking 14 or 16 team league with 10, 11 starters, that might be enough to get him in your lineup during certain weeks. Is it going to be enough in a shallow redraft league? No, we're probably not going to be looking to put him in our lineup, but I, I do think that there is the potential for him to, to rise in value. And this is probably one of the easiest wide receiver cores as well to, to rise up that depth chart. Obviously Antonio Gibson listed as a running back, but we've kind of, he's been labeled as that Swiss army knife style player. So maybe he can be involved in the passing game, especially with who do we say? Um, Logan Thomas and Jeremy Sprinkle at tight end. Maybe there's an opportunity to get him involved in the, the underneath passing game. So any other thoughts here on Washington before we move on or, uh, you know, it's a lot of trash for bag really horrible backfield. What was that? It's all, it's a lot of talk for a really bad backfield. But it's all the news we have right now, so that's why we're talking about it. You can't say we did not cover it on Dynasty Theory. Yeah, without a doubt. And my, my last thought would be just watch it closely early in the season with Gibson. If he's just getting gadget plays here and there, you know he's still learning the offense. And that's where veterans like McKissick and Barber might get a little more grind just to spell AP early. And then what you're hoping for is as the season progresses, Gibson gets more and more. And if he is, then you know he's developing at a good rate. And I think that's plenty of talk about Washington. Now with Darius Geis being cut, we're going to cut away to one more promo. Who out there is ready to unveil their summer body? I'll be the first to admit that quarantine hasn't necessarily been great for my physique, but at least I don't look like I'm wearing a bear rug on my chest. I have already gone on one vacation this year, and even though I might not have that six-pack, guys, my chest, it was silky smooth. Go to manscaped.com. And check out the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which includes the Lawnmower 3.0 body trimmer, 
with a ton of other great stuff. And if you subscribe to the perfect package, not only are you going to get a new blade refill delivered to your front door every three months, but for a limited time, you're going to get two free gifts. You're going to get the travel bag and also the high performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. And I can tell you, they are beyond comfortable. So go over to manscaped.com, check out all of the great products they have, and use code THEORY20 to get not only 20% off, but also free shipping. Again, that's code THEORY20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. I actually, I did want to say, before you throw the challenge flag, I do have one serious conversation I want to have. And typically, you know you know me, it's joke, 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 joke. But with the Geist news that came out this weekend, I, I was scrolling through Twitter all weekend, 24-7. Does it not feel, and Mitch is showing the case behind him, but does it not feel like it's at the point now we see this kind of crap so often with these players that it, especially in social media, it's we become callous to it almost. And it shouldn't be that way at all. A lot of truth there. Yeah, it's true. It's sad, but true. I mean, it's, we don't know these guys off the field. So when it happens, we're just like, you know, happened again. Sadly, it. but it's the truth. As these things happen, more news comes out. And I think one of the things I read today was, you know, Riverboat Ron, when he was with Carolina, they passed on Geist because of these off-field issues. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, you know, hearing earlier, John. So now to me, that's like, okay, now there's a little more something than maybe immaturity that we did not know about that happened in college. So as, you know, fantasy football players, the more information we have to make that educated guess. And again, for me, it's it's like Hunt. You know, we'll find another good fantasy running back out there, even if he does come back. But his personal preference. I'm not judging anyone for who they pick or who. It's a business. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking back to when this happened with Kareem Hunt. Obviously, a very different situation based on the news and information we have. But I remember when it happened with Kareem Hunt, every group message was blowing up. And it seems like with Darius Geis, maybe it's just because of the point of the offseason People are away from their their group chats and fantasy leagues because of everything else going on. But it didn't seem like there was that reaction. I don't know. I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, but Dan, you did have a challenge flag, and I don't know what this is about. Yeah, we, we need this. You're depressing me, John. We need to, we need a better topic. Hey, I, I throw out, despite, again, <laughs> I joke all the time, but sometimes I actually do have a serious thought that I want to bring up. But yeah, throw the red flag in. This, this red flag here tonight is for everybody in the chat room and everybody listening to Dynasty Theory Podcast. If you just heard that Manscaped commercial there, Mitch, John, myself, everybody who we referred who purchased Manscaped at the best price out there has loved the product and thanked me after. So if you are on the fence and thinking about it, I am challenging you tonight to purchase Manscaped from our sponsor here and support Dynasty Theory. Thank you, guys. If anyone out there buys it and does not like it, you will win the challenge. But I'm challenging you personally. Is that, is that a Dan LaMagna money-back guarantee, or is it they just win the challenge? It might be a money-back or a, you know, a Dynasty team partnership where I pay your side. Some Something fun there, but... Everyone listen, if you're thinking about it, give it a shot, please. I, I, we guarantee you will like it based on everybody who's purchased it, including ourselves. I feel like Dan is now working for Men's Warehouse. You're going to love the way you look. I guarantee it. <laughs> Hopefully we, there's no lawsuit there for using that, uh, that catchphrase. But anyway, let's get into some listener questions. And we didn't get any of the videos that we've been throwing up recently, but we did get a lot of good listener questions. So this first one, it comes from at Drake PFSA. And Mitch, I kind of like the spin that you put on this in our group chat, but we're going to start with the question itself. Would you trade DJ Shark and Austin Eckler for Clyde Edwards-Alaire? And let's just assume PPR. It wasn't specified. Mitch, let's start with you. Maybe. 
Can I say that? No, 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 no. no. You, reason... you would rip me apart no. if I said maybe. The only <laughs> reason maybe. why I'm saying maybe is because if I, if I have Austin Eckler and the rest of my team is really bad, I would rather trade him and Shark and get CEH, who I think is going to gain value and continue to hold value. So on a rebuild, I would much rather have CEH than Shark and Eckler. And then if I'm competing this year, then I definitely want Eckler and Shark. You're, you're, I'm challenging that, Mitch. So if your team is struggling, you want to give up two studs for one stud. But Eckler and is receivers in stud. Dynasty often outlast running backs, even though CH is in his you know beginning years, which you get five good years out of him. But I have Eckler in the same area of, of Lair in that lower tier of the you know the first tier of running backs. And we're talking like Shark for free here. For that's free, that you have him there, but that's not where he actually is. Guys, I'm not throwing my. This is my flag. Yes, it's a crumbled Tissue. up paper towel. But Dan, <laughs> if you take part in a super flex startup tomorrow, and you look at sheer perceived value, Clyde Edwards Alaire is a first round startup pick, and it, it's out there. That information's out Good. there, and there's there's going to be somebody that takes sure. him there. But then you look at Austin Eckler. What is he? Maybe a third in super flex startups, and then Shark sixth, seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. So you're you're telling me that you're comfortable moving that third and seven round, or you're not comfortable moving that third and seven round value for a first. You're saying Eckler and Edwards Alaire are close in value, and that's just not the case. The way running backs are going, I'd argue that Eckler's a, a third round pick. He, I'm, I'm seeing him going some some seconds there. He's got a prime opportunity this year. Maybe I'm just higher than others on Eckler, uh, but I'm also real high on Shark. And you guys normally in Dynasty trade back that first round pick to get extra picks all the time. That falls not, right. Not for a third and seven. Strategy. Not for a third and seven, I wouldn't. I, I like to trade back. But trade back. Tell the next part because this is just going to get better. But <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right there, I, I will easily take Clyde Edwards-Alaire just because the craziness in terms of his value, the way it's inflated. Now, the second part of this question. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. One, one last question for Mitch on the first one there. You are okay. as high as anybody on Gardner Minshew. Wouldn't that make you just as high on DJ Shark? No, because I think Minshew could have a great year this year. They could still go 2-14, and 14 and he won't be the quarterback next year. I think that's probably a likelier outcome than them going 6-10 and 10 and being out of the sweepstakes for Fields, you know? So, so whether Minshew loses a job and then you end up with Lawrence or Field, you still end up with a great situation with the awesome receiver and DJ Shark. Wait, wait, I got to throw the flag. Wait, I talked about Allen Robinson just a few weeks ago, and I said if Trubisky or Foles is not there in 2021, then he's going to be in a better situation. This is a direct quote from Dan LaMagna. Yeah, JB, but now he's starting over, man. So how is it any different for DJ Shark? It is exactly the same. I'm calling BS. But you're getting Eckler also here. You're getting Eckler in this deal as well. You're getting a two for one, two studs for one stud, and two studs that I'm high on in Eckler and Shark. Dan, this is you talking out of both sides of your mouth. Here, <laughs> here, here. Um, okay, so Dan's taking the package. I'm taking CEH. Mitch is riding the fence. He's pulling a JB because he's hedging on this one. This next one. It's the same trade situation, but replace DJ Shark with AJ Brown. Dan, start with you. That's even worse. That's even worse because AJ Brown has even a higher ceiling than uh, DJ Shark and a more stable situation in Tennessee, even though they're ground and pound and we'd like to see him air it out a little bit more. And hopefully that offense continues to evolve. But again, I am not trading two studs that are both young with upside for, I love CEH. I, I think he has, you know, incredible potential in Kansas City. I love that situation. But again, not giving two studs for one. Maybe the negotiation just needs to evolve a little bit more to, to 
I need something else. I need something to go home and tell mom about in the, in the trade to make it work for me. Really quick, we have a, a comment here from Brett. He's in a, a league with me. And and Mitch Ooh. and Dan, this is that Cleveland league that I drove to the live draft for. Oh, yeah. Brett's over in Philadelphia. He didn't want to make the trip. So still haven't met him in person. But he says, do you remember when I got Shark in our startup auction for $2? But then I dropped him before he broke out. Good times. So it, it, it's the roller coaster that is dynasty football. We're all used to it. Mitch. No. AJ, right. Yeah, if, it's if AJ Brown. Fence this one before, isn't even close for me. No, for me, I'm not even high on AJ Brown. I like Austin Eckler. Same. And we all know that if anybody posts a workout video, Dan, he's all hot and bothered. He's like, oh, James Connors working out with a log in the woods. He's a first <laughs> round pick for me. He's thinking about those Rocky montages when he was training in Russia, apparently. I need but commitment. For, you know, for me, I will take AJ Brown and Austin Eckler. So for all three of us, it's it's going to be the package deal there. Now, Mitch, you proposed this question in the chat, and I liked it. What is your threshold with a receiver? So what receiver plus Austin Eckler equals CEH? So I went with either Terry McLaurin or Robert Woods, depending on who, you know, some people hate Robert Woods, so it wouldn't work. But I think both of those guys would get it done with Austin Eckler to get CEH. And I really wanted to pick someone that would actually get the trade done. I didn't want to pick someone, you know, a wide receiver that the CH owner just wouldn't care about. Now I'm looking, I'm looking at some rankings here. What about Jerry Judy? No. You wouldn't do Judy plus Eckler for CEH? No. Now in our one group chat, somebody said CEH was available. And you know how I am. If you're gonna if you're gonna put out a player that their obvious perceived values through the roof, I'm gonna throw a trade in the chat. I offer Jalen Rager and CD Lamb. And the comment back, I don't know if you remember, it said that's a good starting point. Yeah. That's the end of that negotiation. He was never <laughs> traded. No. Dan, what are your thoughts here? What is your tipping point? Receiver, I would trade. I'm looking at like a, in that Christian Kirk, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard range. Uh, that, that'd be the best I'd go in a, in a two for one. Okay. So what Dan just said is he will not get Clyde Edwards alone. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'm closer. I'm certainly closer to Mitch here looking at these, these guys. I, Woods, Boyd, uh, Keenan Allen, Shark, McLaurin. Those are guys that I would feel comfortable moving. And of course, obviously, some people's rankings are going to vary and and the wide receivers are going to be bouncing all over the place. But, you know, I, I think that's a good deep dive there on Drake's question. Up next, I know it's the only reason he's creeping in the chat. This is from our friend Nick. It's at NP Merrill on Twitter. He threw, first of all, Nick, we were looking for one question, man. And I think you threw 18 questions at us. So I picked four of them and it all has to do with Miami. First up, we'll go through these pretty quickly, but Mitch, give an over under on how many games Fitzpatrick starts in 2020. I'm going to go with 10. The rookie, I think Tua is ready to play, but I think they're going to hold him off a little bit. This team is still a year away. So they have no reason just to throw him in. And I think they're going to give, you know, Fitzpatrick 10 games. And if the season lasts 16, then I think Tua is going to get the, you know, the last six games of the season. Dan, what do you think? At least a year away, Mitch, with that bottom feeder O-line and a quarterback just starting and Chan Gailey, who I think we're going to talk about later as well. Uh, you know, he's been around the block a little bit. My prediction here is eight games. Uh, I see two in there, week nine versus the Arizona Cardinals after a one and seven Miami Dolphins start. I think you get some regression off, uh, after that, you know, a little competitive surge they had late last year. Again, I like Coach Flores. You know, he they're, they're bringing in some talent, but – they're just not there for me. 
Dan, do you have the schedule up right now? I do not. I could get it real fast. No, I'll pull it up real quick. Um, I just kind of want to look at Miami Dolphins. I looked it up earlier today, John. You know, just, you know, studying. I wanted to show that I read your show notes. I wasn't ignoring them. You know, I was, I was preparing for our show. And I think that's a first time for you. Now I'm looking at 2020 schedule to wrap up the season going in reverse order. We have the Bills, Raiders, Patriots, Chiefs, Bengals. And it sounds like maybe there are a few opportunities there. Jets before that. Do they have the Jets back-to-back games? Yeah. So I do think, okay, so I'm on board there. So who said going in against the Cardinals? Was that Dan? Yeah, I think that's when the schedule softens up and you're ready yeah. to turn it over to a young quarterback. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. We're looking at the Cardinals, Jets, bye week, Jets, Bengals, Chiefs. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go there. And this isn't part of the question, but who starts more games in 2020? Tyrod Taylor or, sorry, Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Mitch? Tyrod Taylor. The Chargers and? are going to be good enough to stay in it all year long. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance they stick with Taylor if everything falls Taylor's way. You know, they, they, I'm looking at their defense today. They got some playmakers on that defense. We know they got the running game. They got some receivers. The, the, there's there's hope there and with the Chargers, unlike Miami. I am actually going to go with Fitzpatrick. I, I When we had Ian Hartz on the show, we said that four or five game range was the over-under he kind of put on. I think he said five and a half. But I'm going to say that it's closer to that for Tyrod Taylor and Fitzpatrick. Dan, even though I disagree with you pretty much every episode and every take, I really like where your head's at here with Ryan Fitzpatrick's projection. So, hey, JB, to your Fitzpatrick prediction there, he, he's kind of like the Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson of uh, quarterbacks mm-hmm. there, man. He just won't go away. So maybe, we, maybe we're wrong for doubting Fitzmagic, but based on rosters, Tyrod's got a better chance than me. All right, depleted wide, depleted wide receiver room impact. And I'm going to start here, even though I'm extremely low on Mike Gesicki, much lower than consensus, it seems like he might be one of the main beneficiaries. We kind of expected Parker and Preston Williams to have theirs, especially in negative game scripts with Matt Breida slightly, you know, you know I think he's going to be more involved in the passing game than Dan wants to admit. But Mike Gesicki, I do think this favors him, and it really pains me to say it because I've been – on him all off season. Mitch, what are your thoughts? I, it's going to help Gasicki as much as I hate to say it. I think it's just going to, I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but when you look at Chan Gailey, he doesn't look to, at, you know, he doesn't target tight ends at all, but if there's no one else on the field, is he going to have to target tight ends at that point? Is he going to make them, you know, playable? So that's my issue. Looking at this. I mean, they have Gary Jennings, Isaiah Ford, Matt Collins, Grant, all of those guys are just, I will ne- I'll preface it like this. I will never feel good about them being in my starting lineup. Any of those guys. Even if Preston Williams is out, I'm never going to look at Jaquim Grant and be like, you know what? I want him as my wide receiver too this week. I just will never feel comfortable with that. I just think that a lot of the targets, even more so now, are going to be funneled more through those top two receivers in Gesicki. Dan, anything else there? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna give you a little credit, John. I'm starting to slightly come around a little more on Matt Breida for you. You know, I, I could see him getting a little bit more involved the more I've been looking at the Miami situation. Uh, I think to Mitch's point, you know, there is some concerns with the tight end position with Gailey, but Jacecki's kind of like a wide receiver, and based on overall talent, I think they'd be wise to utilize him. So I could see a slight uptick here. Um, I'm a little more intrigued than 
in the Miami receivers than you guys and more situational, whether it's a matchup flex play or just having that guy on your bench in case injuries happen, definitely DFS. Um, but I've been kind of keeping an eye out on Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson for years. Um, obviously Wilson opts out. Hearns is just a good ball player. He's not a fantasy guy, but he's out now too. So someone's got to be out there. And I've just been watching Jakeem Grant. Like when he does touch the ball and you get him in space, he is electric. I know he's older. There's not much of a dynasty appeal there, but Grant has a little bit of bench appeal to me. And Gary Jennings has got talent. I just question how raw it is. Could he develop enough? And, you know, if Preston Wilson's a little slow to recover and maybe Grant doesn't pan out, Jennings is just the guy to just kind of keep an eye on. So bottom of the roster, guys, JB and Mitch, but I'm not completely ignoring them. There was a question in the chat, and it was answered, but I'm going to address it. Mike Kosicki lines up in the slot a lot, right? He does, but if you look at the splits last year, and I kind of dug into this, and obviously with Chan Gailey, it's going to be a little bit different, but his target share was actually lower when he ran out of the slot than compared to when he was in line. And for whatever reason, I, I don't know, and you look at, we talk about player profiler all the time, and you look at those little charts they have, his bar chart is through the roof in every single metric. But this really threw me off too, doing a lot of research on him. Besides Jason Witten, sorry, Dan, but besides Jason Witten, I think it was any tight end with over 50 targets. I think that was the threshold. Mike Gesicki is the only other tight end that did not break one tackle last year. How can you be so athletically gifted and not break one tackle? He's really good running against air. It's just when other people are on the field, he's not as good. <laughs> um, okay, we have a few more quick questions here from Nick. Uh, where are you taking Tua in Superflex redraft? You don't. There is no reason to draft him. There will be <laughs> someone else to pick up because he's going to sit on your bench for eight weeks at best. And at that point, there's going to be other quarterbacks you could just pick up if you have to. Dan, do you agree with that? I do. Someone's going to take Tua before me. You know, the strategy is I want one of those elite quarterbacks first, and then I'm probably going to get someone better than Tua before he comes to me and someone will snatch him. If we're looking for a specific answer, JB, I'd say anywhere from 24 to 30 in my quarterback rankings, depending on how high you are on Tua and how patient you are. In redraft, I think I might even be a little bit lower. I don't know if I'd be anywhere close to that 24. But then we already touched on kind of what to expect from Chan Gailey. The tight end usage, it's not there. But then I, I do think a lot of those targets are going to funnel through those top receivers. It, I thought we were going to see a lot of 11 personnel. But, Dan, you might be suiting up at receiver for them this coming season. Yep. Jakeem Grant, man, don't worry. The, the number three receiver position is going to be okay between Grant and Jennings. But Chan Gailey's right. interesting. He was a you know, former head coach of the Cowboys. He tortured me for a little while there. Uh, I mean, he's a good, savvy veteran uh, OC. He'll adjust to the talent around him. So I would – but. My thing is, he's a lot of his stays. He's only been around one, two years. You know, that concerns me a little bit there for two in Miami and how patient and how long is Chan Gailey going to stay in town? You know, maybe they have a secession plan where that's okay and he he provides them some leadership and some stability now. Uh, but I don't think he really shifts anything big in Miami. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, Nick, thank you for all of the questions. And there were some that trickled through as the day went on. I think a few more popped into your head. We didn't get to those, but I'm sure we'll talk about them in our Dynasty Theory Listener League chat. This next one comes from at P2W Fantasy. Outside of Devontae Freeman, can you think of some free agents that you would be willing to stash pending they may be signed? In the examples he gave, this is earlier, I think it was yesterday, 
the examples were Lamar Miller, who was actually picked up today, which we talked about, and Taylor Gabriel. Guys, any other free agents that could potentially, maybe not long-term dynasty value, but with how crazy this offseason has been already, that we could see some splashes maybe if they get picked up. Dan, do you want to start? I've got one and a half, all right? The the half is my Homer Des Bryant pick, and I know it's a long shot. And I admit Wait, twice, I, I, sw- twice, I swear, I swear. I knew you were going to name Des Bryant. Hang with me here, all right? Mitch is rightfully shaking his head. I'm I'm not going to, you know, argue too much, but he is in great shape. I have watched so many workout videos. I'm not even going to talk about that. I played basketball with him, and he was in great shape, but he is grinding, man. Like, he is better than so many number three, number four wide receivers in the NFL. I, I think he deserves a chance. But the one I'm really watching right now is Delaney Walker because the rumors are really amping up that he's going to New England. And, guys, we know there's all puppies there at the tight end position in New England. And the way New England's building this, he could be a nice little find if you need a tight end in your league. And it sounds like I stole Mitch's thunder. Maybe yours too. sure did. Yeah. If Delaney Walker goes to New England at any point and you're in a tight end premium league, I think you might be able to possibly get a second. I really do. Oh, yep. We see what Rob Gronkowski is going for in tight end premium leagues. Mm -hmm. Extremely high in startups after he went to Tampa Bay. Now, obviously, there's some different factors at play there, but if Delaney Walker goes to New England and I have him creeping on a few rosters, I would definitely be looking to move him, just like we talked about Lamar Miller earlier. Delaney Walker is an intense, fiery competitor, man, where if he's just healthy and in a good system, you've got production for a year. That would be a cool signing. Hopefully it happens. Mitch, did you have anything else to add? You seem pretty flustered whenever he said Delaney Walker. KG did bring up AB. He's fairly obvious. Um, Josh Gordon as well. One guy I will bring up is Theo Riddick. He is someone who, you know, was signed by Denver last year, didn't get a lot of playing time, but he is someone who could come in as a third down back and the very next week see passing down work because that's just what his role is. And there's not a lot of guys out there right now that could fill that role. I mean, there's Buck Allen, Bilal Powell, but no one, you know, that's really good. I wasn't going to bring him up as a a serious candidate here, but do you remember in that one co-owned league last year, whenever Buck Allen signed with the saints for about two weeks oh, or whatever? I do. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm dropping all the fab. You sure did. <laughs> yep. Sure hey, did. You, you never know. That one didn't work out. Yeah. I don't but... think we lost a game in that league. So it really didn't matter. No, we lost the championship game. It was this. We didn't even make the championship. We lost the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Humble, humble brag, undefeated season, most points out of 60 teams. But we're going to move on here. We do digress. This next one comes from at three C O A C K Coke underscore FF. Any young You said that because I wasn't going to. Yeah, that could have gone in a few different directions, but we do try to keep it family-friendly unless I go on my Darius Geist tirade. But are there any young players who are at risk of regression due to scheme changes? And the example that he gave was O.J. Howard from last year. Mitch, let's start with you. What are your thoughts? I'm going to say the wide receiver, wide receiver two in Green Bay right now. You know, we think it's going to be Lazard. And everything we've seen moving forward with Green Bay is they're going to be a running team. They want to be a running team but we still want to elevate these pass catchers, you know, taking Devonte Adams out of it, of course, but the wide receiver too there, we've always wanted it. And I don't think that's the case anymore. So right now, if it's Lazard, if it ends up being, you know, Valdez Scantling somehow, or whoever ends up being, I just don't want him because everything they've told us so far is that wide receiver too, isn't going to be a fantasy option. 
th- that was a big debate last year. Mm-hmm. Again, in I, in one of our league chats, we had a bet, and there were four of us in there. And we were like, okay, if this person gets the most fantasy points, I, honestly, though, Mitch, you did win, but we all <laughs> should have been considered losers for that one. Without and then historically, <laughs> we look at that offense and we want to say that they will produce two relevant fantasy wide receivers, but with Matt LaFleur there and the shift in, we talk about the 12 personnel going from 11 with more involvement, hopefully from Jay Sternberger. If he ever comes back from that COVID list, as far as I know, I don't think he's come back. So hopefully he comes back healthy, but then just the commitment to the run game and the involvement in the passing with his running backs, maybe there isn't a viable option there as a number two receiver. I'm just going to recycle Mike Gesicki. It's still a slight concern, but, you know, with the depleted wide receiver core, maybe that's one that's actually going to pan out for the Mike Kosicki fan club. And we have one more from at Dynasty Island. Which aging quarterback do you think is in his last year as a startable Superflex Dynasty asset? And the list, he provided it, but I think, you know, some of them are obvious. Brady, Breeze, Big Ben, Rogers, Rivers, and he threw Cam in there as well. And Mitch, let's start with you. And it can be more than one of these guys if you think 2020 is the end of the road. It's Breeze. Without a doubt, this is Breeze's last year. I mean, the Saints have made it fairly obvious. They even, um, Sean Payton came out and said it was his last year that he kind of backed off. Oh, like, oh, whoops, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But this is definitely Breeze's last year. And then Cam is the only other maybe. If he comes back and his body can't hold up, that would be the only reason. But all these other guys are going to be playing in 2021. Philip Rivers, you, you think Rivers is? I think he's going to be there for two years now. Okay. And then Breeze, because I agree with you. I think that's the obvious one. Brady, I do think he gets two years. I think Ben gets two years. But for Breeze, would you move? Hopefully, he's not one of your top two quarterbacks in the Superflex League. You're not going to get a first for him. But would you maybe look to, I mean, I I, I wouldn't move him now. Move him midseason. But I, I think you have to pull the trigger there, even if you might be a contender. Yeah, I think so too. That'd be the smart move to do week eight, week nine. Hopefully he's not one of your top two quarterbacks there. And then Dan, you definitely don't agree with Cam Newton. You winced like a, oh. I'm rising high on Cam Newton and the New England Patriots offense here. Defense took a hit this year. I think they're going to be scoring. I think he's in phenomenal shape. I think Belichick knows what he's doing. He's only 31. I mean, it's just a different conversation to me. I think of that list breeze as mitch said it just seems like it's time uh rivers i'm with you jb i actually mitch's point i mean we talked in a past episode with that o-line it's the ideal situation for him to have a little more football left he needs that ideal situation but if i have rivers or breeze i'm contacting all 12 team or all 11 teams in the league and trying to maneuver to trade them the only way i'd want one of them on my roster is if they're my third quarterback and you know situational if I'm letting a young guy develop but I want to move both of them Brady and Big Ben I think they're okay still but the time is coming as well I still wouldn't look to move any of them right now because I think you're going to get more value in return during the season which obviously that's no secret that's not like hey this is a dynasty theory secret you got to move those aging quarterbacks mid-season everybody knows that but I think people can get a little impatient and just because you get an offer doesn't mean you need to go full steam ahead there the question for you jb what's your thoughts of like you wouldn't move them but those guys that are kind of maybe not that sexy those Derek cars kirk cousins tanny hills bridgewater would you where would you stand when we get one of those guys who may have a few more years than them 
All of them. Yeah, I, I would take all of them, but I don't think so you're I, I know right now. If that's if they're your number two and there's no other option, or do you, do you think you could be able to attain one of those guys somehow? I don't know. I, I maybe like I'm trying to think. I don't even think I have Rivers in a few rosters. Maybe I'll throw out a few Rivers plus a second for Bridgewaters. I don't think that will get it done right now. I think even though Carr, the value is probably fair, the only one you have a shot just because people still hate Carr. Yeah. And he would be the because people are still getting behind Bridgewater because there's the chance to where he could be you a really good fantasy quarterback. I think a lot of people I actually really love Carr this year, but I think a lot of people are going to be down on him. You guys have completely switched me on Carr, but yeah, I'm all about that Raiders offense this year. But is he the quarterback beyond 2020? He actually yeah. might be categorized with all of these guys. While he's not as old as them, he might be a backup he somewhere might, next year. Yeah. You might be. I just how- don't think the Raiders could get another quarterback. I mean, I don't know what the free agent market's going to be next year, but I think they're going to win enough games to play themselves out of getting a, a good pick, and I think that's the dilemma. And I think Carr will play well enough with that offense to just put the Raiders in a difficult decision to keep riding with him. We'll see. But I certainly, if I if I could do a Rivers plus a second value wise, that's probably right for Bridgewater. Might even be an overpayment if you're just looking at sheer value. But I would definitely do that. I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know if the Bridgewater owner would though. That was our last listener question. And Dan, are you ready? Final thoughts. All right, Dan, let's start with you. I have a feeling you brought a good one to the show since you passed on the one question earlier tonight. I was too busy today studying all your show notes. And then there was even one on there that, that young uh, receiver one that snuck up on me. I didn't even see it. So I didn't have enough time to, to, to get that one in there. But uh, just closing thoughts for tonight, man. One month left to the season. Don't be discouraged by the NCAA and think it's the same as the NFL. I truly do believe this NFL season is going to happen, barring something crazy and unforeseen in the next month, which, knock on wood, will not happen. And, uh, you know, JB, some three millimakers makers in these DFS contests. Just throwing that out there. No, I between my investments on this wall, all of my dynasty teams, I can't justify – playing any DFS this year. I really can't. Mitch, what are your final thoughts? I just I just want to tell everybody, be careful with these news blurbs that are coming out. Like, for example, the Henry Ruggs one. It, the, the quote was, he will be used in the slot. You read the whole quote, it's he's learning every position and he will be used in the slot. Same thing with the Ronald Jones one. We saw he is going to be the main back. And then the whole quote was, he's going to be the main back. The other guys are going to come in. They're going to be fighting for the third round, for the third down spot. And special teams is really going to matter. So you need to like read the whole quote and just not go off whatever, you know, that one headline is. I have a quick closing thought here and I typically don't, but you know, anytime I kind of break our show notes and I get into a serious subject, like I did with Darius guys, Mitch always gets those big eyes because I get worried. You don't know what I'm going to say. And I, and I understand that. And we try to keep it light on the show, but informative but I do think there's some things that maybe are uncomfortable that need to be discussed. And Dan, like I said, I apologize for the language I used. The shoot bit, man, there. It it did. But, but, you know, like I said, I I think some things need to be discussed. I want to thank everybody. The chat was lit once again tonight. So I want to thank all of our listeners that are on the YouTube channel and then everybody listening to the podcast feed. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe. Be kind to each other and have a great night. Thanks, guys.